more to know about Jesus, more than be associated with Jesus, but to live for Jesus as his followers. The scriptures tell us that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. It's an all-in call, and that's called discipleship to follow Jesus. And so we're going to be uh, looking at Luke chapter 15 today uh, as we hear the invitation uh, to act as disciples in the world with other people. So I invite you to open uh, or turn to your phones or look up on the screen. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that is Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, Jesus, told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, And sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I'll date myself a little bit. How many of you have ever wanted to be like Mike? Does anybody even remember that? I did a children's sermon a couple years ago where I used a Lion King reference. This was before the new movie came out. And all those kids were like, what is that? And I was like, well, I'm going to shave my beard so I can feel younger. Michael Jordan. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. Well, today I'm going to invite you to be like Ted. Be like Ted. Hang on to that thought. Listen, one day, this was 2009, a woman named Paula Stanton was cleaning her bathroom. By the way, everybody, every now and then, I've learned this, you should clean your bathroom. My wife is teaching me. So Paula was cleaning her bathroom, and she got her chores done, and somewhere along the day later on, uh, she was doing something and realized, my wedding ring is gone. And, oh, she went everywhere looking for it. And she tore the house apart, retraced her steps, and came to the conclusion the only place that she could have lost her wedding ring was while she was cleaning the toilet. So she had her husband take up the toilet. Get you a new wax ring, buddy. We're going to check that trap. And they couldn't find that ring anywhere. And she was just, she was... Distraught. It was like what it was was it was uh, her 20 year anniversary ring. Her husband had bought her this uh, special ring, 20 year anniversary, here you go. And so she couldn't find it. Well, her husband, a little bit later, he bought her a new ring, which was very sweet. Uh, He ruined it a little bit because he said, try not to lose this one, okay? Um, So, word of advice you do something nice, maybe you ought to keep your mouth shut. 
But it didn't matter that she had a new one. And she was heartbroken. It, there was something really precious about this, and maybe you can understand. And she, she just longed for that ring, and she kept looking, and she kept looking. Well, to the point that six years later, out in Tempe, Arizona, the public works was uh, starting to show up around adjacent neighborhoods, and they were doing some uh, upgrading to the sewage system. And she found uh, one of the crew leaders, his name was Ted Gongle, and she told him what happened with her ring. I swear, six years ago, I flushed it down the toilet. Listen, if, when you get near my house, can you keep an eye out for my ring? And old Ted's like, listen, I don't keep an eye out for much in the sewer system. Um, but really, he very politely, you know, there's really, what are the chances? What are the chances? Six seconds, let alone six minutes down the toilet. He politely said, ma'am, well, chances of finding it are slim, but we'll do, we'll keep an eye out for it. Well, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with government contracts and things like that. My brother and my grandfather and my uh, cousin and dad all work for the government, and, and so sometimes projects take a little bit longer. Um, a few years later, Ted's team, that was said with all due respect, people, come on. This is the truth. This is in the newspaper. A few years later, um, about four years later, Ted's crew was doing some work on a manhole outside of Paula's house. And they're down in there doing something, and lo and behold, lodged between the pipe and what I will simply describe as some other stuff, there was, but you haven't eaten lunch yet, you're cool. Um, there was a little glint, and there was a ring lodged in the manhole. And so Ted remembered what Paula had said, and he pulled out the ring, and he brought it back to her. And after nine years, Paula has her ring back. And she just, she, she wept. She just cried, like the ugly cry, all over the place. And she said it was right around Thanksgiving. She said, this is a Christmas miracle. And then she boiled it in peroxide and lemon juice. (laughs) And I hope she did that five times while spinning in a circle and wore it proudly by the time her 38th anniversary came around. That's That's pretty amazing. That's an inspiring story, but I can't get over the fact, look, that precious anniversary ring became a sewer ring. Nine years or so in the sewer. That's, listen, I'm not an expert, but that's nasty if you ask me. I don't care how valuable something is. If you find it in the sewer, it automatically, I don't know what the IRS calls it, depreciates. (laughs) It might be made of gold. We'll stop there. I can imagine that Ted and his crew were not the kind of folks who were like, hey, I hope I find something interesting at work. You know? And so when Ted found that thing, it didn't matter that it was not ideal. <laughs> he knew that that ring was precious to Paula. So reached in there and grabbed it and returned it to her. Interesting. Now, you might not be so happy about a sewer ring, and you might not be so happy if you got one, but Paula was overjoyed because it was precious to her, because it meant something to her because it was lost and it had been found. Now, as we look at the scripture today, the 
this chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke opens with the word about the Pharisees and the scribes. And, and hearing what they have to say, I, I don't think that the Pharisees and the scribes would have understood why Paula was so happy to wear a sewer ring. Because <laughs> it was dirty, it was nasty, it was untoward, and there were other rings to have. You know, the, the problem with that the Pharisees and the scribes in this passage are exhibiting is not just that they had a problem with things that were unclean, they had a problem with people that they didn't think were good enough. Now, they had a problem with that. They had a disregard for people. And so in Luke chapter 15, if you were to look over the whole thing, it's, the bulk of it is made up of Jesus telling three stories about things that are lost and found, sheep, coins, and then there's the parable of the lost son, which you might recall as the, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, but you can lose the meaning of it because the stories are so big and great. You can lose the meaning of it if you skip the beginning. The whole thing comes about because the Pharisees and the scribes are grumbling. Now, I know religious people don't grumble. I don't know what was wrong with these people. I know you've never heard it, but they were grumbling. God rest them. Um, But their problem was, oh my gosh, Jesus, he receives sinners and eats with them. Oh, it's not such a big deal that sinners would come to him because, what are you going to do about that? But any good and and religious and moral person would not want to be around such uh, strange, unclean, immoral, difficult people. But Jesus, he actually receives them and he eats with them. And it's not just like, hey, let's grab some Taco Bell. This is a celebration. Uh, If you read in the context, Jesus receives these unclean, non-religious, non-moral, not as good as we are kind of people, and he parties with them. He's receiving these people that don't quite live up to the standards of religious purity, and that's just not what a good religious leader does. On top of that, celebrating, what was there to celebrate about that kind of person? That's their problem. And so Jesus, I like how Jesus can uh, just sense what's going on. He responds to their grumbling with a few parables, a few stories. He tells a story. He says, which one of you, uh, if you were a shepherd and you had a hundred sheep and one got away, would not leave the 99 out in the open field so you could go find the one that was lost? And when you found it, wouldn't you just be so overjoyed? You'd pick that thing up and you'd carry it back. And it didn't matter if anybody knew you lost it or not. You said, come here, look. Oh, man, my sheep was lost and I found it. Come and celebrate with me. He tells a story. Now, I was talking to Mike Mulligan a little while ago. Mike said the, the difference is, is that uh, you should have a fence and not an open field. So I get that. There's advances in agriculture, praise the Lord. <laughs> but Jesus closes with these words after he tells the story. He says, just so, in that same way, I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And he tells another story. He says, what about a woman? How many of you wouldn't be like this? This woman has 10 silver coins. Not like dimes, but these would represent like weeks and months of wages. And when she loses one, she drops everything to find it. Wouldn't you do that? He tells it like this woman is scouring her house nonstop and she has to light a lamp. So apparently she keeps going till dark until she finds it. And then, oh my goodness, when she finds it, she's, come here, I don't care if you knew that I lost this thing, you think I'm crazy, but I found my coin. Come and party with me. And again, after this, he closes with this little lesson. Just so, in the same way, there is joy before the angels of God whenever one sinner repents. So why is Jesus celebrating with these sinners and tax collectors? Because there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. 
because there is joy in the Lord when something that has been lost has been found. And Jesus will go on to tell us in Luke chapter 19 that that his mission, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's what his mission is all about. And guess what? That mission is ours too. That mission is ours too. To seek and to save the lost. Listen, in the same way that Paula Stanton longed for the return of her precious ring, God longs for the return of all of his people. Now, some people, you don't want to walk up to somebody and say, hey, you're lost. And some people will misunderstand that and say, well, I don't feel lost. I've got some direction in my life, but that's not the point. The the point about when we talk about people who are lost is that you are created by God and deeply loved by God, and you are not with God. And God desperately wants you back. God wants, is searching for you and calling out to you by the Spirit, sending the church out to find you, because every single person in the world created in the image of God, knit together in their mother's womb, deeply loved by God, despite what they have done. And God longs with the same, uh, the same ardor that Paula Stanton was looking for her ring and even more for that person to be found, to come home, to be a part of his family through Jesus Christ. Every person created by God and longed for by God. And it doesn't matter if those people are found in shining gold condition or in the sewer, God wants every person back in his family with all of his heart. It doesn't matter if they are making it well in this world or if they're lost in the gutter. It doesn't matter if they're well-to-do or floundering. In the eyes of God, they are all his precious possession. And outside of his family, they are lost, and he wants them back. It doesn't matter what condition we find them in. Nasty, dirty, smelly, well-to-do, well-off, seem to be making it in the world, ornery, angry, happy, sad. It doesn't matter that everybody is somebody that God wants back. And listen, Paula cleaned her ring. She accepted it from the sewer. And God will do the same thing. I remember I used to work at an old tackle shop. Uh, That was my first job. I had to do inventory uh, for the tackle shop. And there was a sign up there that said, you catch them, I'll clean them. Jesus. It doesn't matter. God just loves and wants everybody back. He wants everybody back. Just like Paula invited Ted to look for her lost ring, God has called us, his followers, to go and look for his precious people and invite them back. All of them. All of them. That's exactly what Ted did. Ted looked for the ring, and it brought joy to Paula's life. And our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ, in so many words, is to be like Ted. To seek God's precious lost children and bring them back to their loving Father. Be like Ted. Ted was just doing his job. He was out doing what he did every day. And when he got to Paula's house, he knew she was looking for something, so he kept an eye out. And he found a treasure where he would least expect it. Just in the course of his day-to-day living, you don't expect to find treasure where he was working. But he knew it would be there because somebody told him they were looking for him. And he found it, even where he least expected it. And what if we, in the course of our day-to-day lives, would expect that we would find God's treasured possessions wherever we were? 
wherever we were when we see somebody, no matter what circumstance, good, bad, well-off, not well-off, that we could say, oh, I found one of God's precious treasures. Let me see if I can help him find them again. Just in the course of your day-to-day, there are people in your life, people in your life, every single person that you see, deeply loved by God. Deeply loved by God. And they may not feel lost, but if they're outside of Christ, God is looking for them. Where you least expect it. Ted, Ted, um, looked down and saw that ring in there, and no matter what it looked like, he saw it was somebody's precious treasure. And what if we learned to look at every person that we saw, no matter what we assume about them, what our first judgments are about them, and say, wow, you are a precious treasure of God, and God desires you back. God desires you back. Not like the Pharisees who say, everybody but you, 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 and you. What if we, like Ted saw that treasure there, saw precious treasures in the people that we saw? And now Ted, uh, Ted was working for the city, and he was probably on a deadline and a budget crunch, and so you usually do the job you're told, no more, no less. But Ted took the time out after he found that ring to walk it back up to Paula's house dig it in there and go grab it and take it back to her and have a conversation. And we can be like Ted if we were to take the time. Take the time out of our life to seek their people's return to God. To invite them, to witness to them, to share with them, to invite them. It's going to take some extra time, but it's well worth it. Because we know that when any one person returns to God, the heavens rejoice. The heavens rejoice. Now, I think about Ted. Could you imagine? Have you ever done something nice for somebody? Uh, Don't look at your neighbor and say, no, you haven't. Uh, But you know that feeling? There's just this feeling like when you know you're about to bless somebody. Like there's this, it's like cloud nine kind of thing. Uh, You know, Ted probably felt that way when he was walking that ring back up to Paula. Do you imagine that that was our motivation for sharing the love of Christ with people and helping them come back to God is to know that, oh, God is about to be so blessed because I'm going to give it a shot. God is going to be so blessed and he's going to be so happy because we're reaching out to invite one of his precious children back to his heart. Do you imagine that? Well, we can just be motivated by the joy of God. You don't have, don't be motivated by your success because I don't know if you know this, you can't save anybody. Jesus does that. You can't control a grown-ups or non-grown-ups decisions, but you can witness and show the love and invite. And you can just say, no matter what, I'm going to please the Lord and put a smile on his face by seeking to bring back that which was lost. Be like Ted. Here's a couple ways to do that very particularly. I'm just going to tell you three very particular ways. Uh, Because sometimes when we think about uh, seeking the lost or uh, witnessing to our faith, you might think about uh, like the guy who used to show up quarterly at Columbus State University when I was an undergrad right there under the clock tower. And he'd stand up with this big sign and he'd call us all fornicating heathen. He didn't know anybody, but he would just shout at everybody, and tell them all the horrible things and they needed Jesus. Um, and you might think, wow, that's cool for him to do. I'm not really interested in that. But there are, there are really wonderful and simple ways for us to do like Ted and seek the lost. Just live your faith. Live your faith. Live your faith before people. Cover yourself in God's grace. Allow your heart to grow so much in tune with Jesus Christ that people sense the grace of God in your words, in your actions, in your presence. Live it in your compassion, in your love, 
in your service, in your words. And then somebody might say, wow, I sense something coming off of you. If that's what it's like, I'd love, I'd love to come home to this God. St. Francis of Assisi once said, you might remember this, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Sometimes words are necessary, but the point is, is you can't speak what you're not living. But what a wonderful witness just to live it before people. A second thing you can do is you witness in your faith relationships. Witness to your faith in your relationships. If you feel called to go up to strangers, please do that. But you know what? Every one of us has people in our lives, a network of relationships that you have built some level of trust with. And all you've got to do is just find an opportunity to just mention how important your faith is to you or to pray with somebody, or to to just find an opportunity to speak about what God has done for your life, how you found comfort, how you found purpose. Just find a way in those relationships. People will do things and believe in things that people they trust believe in. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Yeah. So for example, you've got a friend you really love, and all of a sudden they're selling essential oils. Guess what you're about to do? You're about to be infusing some peppermint in the kitchen. Because you trust them, because you know it's not entirely crazy because somebody you trust believes it. How much more can you imagine that somebody would be willing to give Jesus a shot because you love and trust and shared it? And then finally, invite. Live your faith and witness in your relationships and invite. Invite people, you know, keep it simple if you want, to church or a church event. Invite somebody to prime time. I'll buy their meal the first time through. I, don't, I would love for you to. Invite somebody to be with you. It's a great way to help people uh, connect a little bit with people and, and see what Christian faith is about and to hear the word of God. It's a simple and easy way to share faith and super effective. How many of you remember John Haney? There's a pastor here uh, a handful of years ago. So I followed John on Facebook. We served together in Savannah. The other day he put up this... There's uh, some statistics on Facebook, uh, and, it, and it goes like this. The, the title is, How Do People Start Attending Church? And at the bottom it says, oh, you've got it, advertising, 2%. Invited by the pastor, 6% of people started coming to church like that. I know that most of you are like, hey, that's what we pay you for. You invite, I'm going to go to work, show up on Sunday, and you better have somebody there. But you know, only 6% of people respond to the invitation of a pastor. Why? Because I'm supposed to. Organized visitation, where like maybe we get together and we're going to go canvas the neighborhood. About 6% of the people who start attending church come that way. 86%, and some studies show more, start attending church because a friend invited them. Because a friend invited them. I want to tell you something. I've been looking at some uh, demographic information for zip code 30427. By the way, that's our zip code, I hope. I've moved a lot. I don't remember. Um, Glenville area, uh, Mendes, Gooseneck area. Um, and there's a company called Mission Insight, and we're about to use some of this with our church council. And so they take census data, all the standard stuff, but they also surveyed people in our area about religious and church preferences and needs. And uh, there are two reasons that people in this zip code are not coming to church. There are lots of them, but two major ones are this. One, church people are judgmental. That's the impression that people have. And you can see that, like the Pharisees in this story. But we can, we can prove that we're not by recognizing the deep love that God has for everybody and inviting them to Christ. Can We can change that. The other reason is that nobody has invited me. This is in Glenville. Glenville's not huge. There are people in this zip code, which means they live near you, who have not been invited to church according to census data two years ago. 
They have not been invited to church. That means somebody that you see might very well come to church if somebody would invite them. And here's the deal. You might say, well, that's wonderful. Somebody will invite them, but you know it's not going to happen because that person's thinking that somebody else is going to do it, and that person's thinking somebody else is going to do it, and on and on this endless chain, nobody gets invited. All we got to do is invite. What an opportunity we have. And we know that it works. Well, Paula lost something precious to her. And she never stopped looking for it, even after years and years. Ted, in the course of his work, recognized the value of that ring in the sewer. And even though it was nasty, he returned it to her. And it brought Paula great joy, and she lovingly washed it clean, and she wore it with pride. We are Ted. We are Ted. God has let us know how much he longs for his lost children to be found. And we see them in our daily lives. And his disciples were not turned away by the condition we find them in, but we seek to bring joy to our God by bringing them back to him. That's what disciples do. They seek the lost for God. And may it be so for us. Will you pray with me? Father, open our eyes today to the people that you are placing around us that we can share the gospel with, invite to be with us, build relationships with, and help us to see, oh God, every person that we come in contact with is somebody that you have created and that you long for their return. Open our eyes this week. Give us opportunities and the courage to follow through that we might seek those who you have lost to come back to you in repentance and faith. In Jesus' name, amen.